Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinites, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. This week's episode is another Emma movie review, also from 1996. Uh, the 90s were really a good time for Austen adaptations, and of course there are going to be spoilers ahead. As ever, let's get the technical info out of the way first. Um, This version of Emma was done for ITV. Uh, It was written by Andrew Davies, directed by Dermid Lawrence, with music by Dominic Muldowney. Um, And it was released on the 24th of November 1996, uh, which is only a couple of months after the version with Gwyneth Paltrow in August of 1996. In terms of reception and reviews, um, this version did a little bit better uh, than Gwyneth Paltrow's version. Um, It scored 7 out of 10 on IMDb and 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. And like its predecessor, it has a very big cast of big stars. We've got Kate Beckinsale as the eponymous Emma, Mark Strong as Mr Knightley, and Samantha Morton as Harriet Smith, as well as Olivia Williams, Samantha Bond, Alistair Petrie and Guy Henry. It is a very strong cast full of very strong actors and it results in some very interesting performances. I think Kate Beckinsale does a great job as Emma and For me, it was actually quite refreshing to see a brunette Emma. Um, In most of the adaptations, Emma is, of course, blonde. And it might seem like a superficial, trivial thing to pick up on, but it's nice to sort of break away from that dumb, ditzy, blonde stereotype, um, which is what they seem to have gone for with Emma Woodhouse. I also really love Olivia Williams in this film. She's playing Jane Fairfax and she's absolutely wonderful. She's quiet and demure and she plays very well against uh, Frank Churchill, who is just so, so charming, but so caddish at the same time. And you really get that relationship between them and poor Jane. (laughs) By the end of it, as Mr Knightley says, you wonder why she's sticking with Frank Churchill at all. There are a few characterisations that I have a little trouble with in this film. Mark Strong is a great actor. He's very intense and he's he throws himself into his roles. You can really see it. But that intensity doesn't quite work for this film. His Mr Knightley comes across as very angry and standoffish. He's certainly not one of the most comedic of literary characters, Mr Knightley, but the way that Mark Strong is portraying him is more suitable to a Bronte film uh, than perhaps an Austen adaptation. This characterisation is really indicative of the film's mood. It's much more serious and much less comedic in its tone, uh, which I think is is quite sad because Emma is really one of the great comedies uh, of British literature. The second problem I have with characterisation in this film is uh, pretty simple. What on 
earth is going on with Mrs. Elton's accent? They make a point of saying that she's from Bristol, which is, of course, in the book as well. Mr. Elton goes off to Bath and meets her there. But I've lived close to Bristol for pretty much most of my life. Mrs. Elton may be from Bristol, but her accent certainly isn't. It is, of course, conceivable that being of the middle classes, Mrs. Elton might want to hide her country accent to avoid stereotyping. She'd want something more more clipped and neutral, kind of like London via Bristol, if, if that makes sense. But uh, good grief, they completely missed the mark. It sounds like she's gone to London via everywhere but Bristol. It's so inconsistent and not Bristol at all. It's not very country. There's some Australian notes in there, South Africa, Irish, Scottish, a little bit of Welsh. It's, it's just all over the place. Um, and it's a real shame because she was wonderful in this film. Mrs Elton was a great character in this film and unfortunately the accent really let her down. So now that I've done uh, complaining about the acting, uh, let's move on to the film's faithfulness to its source material. In this case, it's a bit of a mixed bag. As I mentioned talking about Mr Knightley, the movie has a much less comedic tone to it, which causes some problems, but generally the things that they put in I I did enjoy. But just before I start with the praise, I'm going to mention a few nitpicks and get all of my complaining out of the way first. So first complaint is chicken thieves. They're at the very beginning and they're at the very end. And I don't really know what to say about this inclusion other than, huh? (laughs) Secondly, I don't think they really made enough of the Elton Harriet business, that relationship between the three of them. It's very damp and rather pathetic, which is Mr Elton all over, but unfortunately it ruins that suspension of disbelief that we have because somebody would have to be deliberately ignoring these signs that Mr Elton doesn't like Harriet, which isn't Emma's style, bless her, she's good-naturedly misinterpreting what's going on. She's not willfully ignorant of that fact, and I think that it sort of, it casts Emma in a bad light, which, yes, she makes mistakes in the book, but they are well-meant. Thankfully, though, there are some great moments in this film that make me very, very happy. (laughs) With regards to the novel, I think that this version shows the age gap between Emma and Mr Knightley a lot better. Uh, It's a lot more visible. Mark Strong is clearly older than Kate Beckinsale. And when they sort of get together at the end, they do sort of mention, you know, that he was there when she was born and he was old enough to actually remember it. So you do get that sort of difference in age there, which uh, you know that misaging the characters is a real bugbear of mine about Jane Austen adaptation. Also, I'm really happy that they showed the game of anagrams. Uh, It's something that's often overlooked in Emma adaptations, and it might seem like a very small scene, but I think it really shows how awful Frank was to Jane Fairfax. Uh, This film does that 
brilliantly and the little game of anagrams with Blunder and with Dixon really sort of complete that for me. Lastly, uh, the whole Box Hill sequence is so brilliantly awful. It's terrible. In some adaptations, Emma just comes across as a, as a nasty cow, really. You know, she's just picking holes at Miss Bates. But um, with this version, you really get the sense that she's swept up in the moment and she truly believes that she's joining in with Mrs. B- Miss Bates' self-deprecating humour. She's not trying to be horrible. She thinks she's just having fun as well, but uh, Frank Churchill has led her down a more destructive path. It's an utterly cringeworthy sequence and it is utterly fantastic. Oddly enough, one of my favourite parts of the film doesn't actually come from the novel. I absolutely love the dream sequences that Emma has in this film. In the book, we don't need that obvious stating of what Emma is thinking because of the way that Jane brilliantly writes her thought processes and her, her personality. But it's really difficult to transfer that kind of subtlety to the screen. And usually with literary adaptations, uh, the directors rely on narrators, the, the actor or actress whose thoughts you want to know, are sort of speaking them over the top of the action that's going on. And that's one way to do it, but it's not my favourite. I think that the dream sequences are a brilliant alternative to that. They're, they're a really fun way to show what she's thinking. It's a show-don't-tell kind of moment, and it's definitely better than this sort of voiceover exposition that we usually get. So uh, I think that pretty much covers all the points that I wanted to make about this film. Uh, so... It is time for the Addicted Austinite score, uh, which of course is out of eight for, for Jane and her siblings. Coming up with a score for this film was quite a difficult task for me. It's a really good film and it has some great things going for it, but the underlying tone is a problem. After long deliberation, I have decided to give this film a four. Kate Beckinsale is great, and so are the other cast members, but that less comedic tone and Mr Knightley's more Heathcliff-esque portrayal is really sort of off-putting for me. Ultimately, I would recommend that you watch this version. I understand, of course, that people prefer a, a more gritty reality sometimes, especially in period dramas, which, you know, it's great, uh, and there is certainly a market for it, but that's not what I want from an Austin adaptation. She is fun and mocking, and uh, as she says herself, let other pens dwell on guilt and misery. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austinite. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as ever, comments are welcome on my Twitter, Facebook and website, which I will uh, link in the description. I'll see you next week for a new episode. And until then, happy reading.
your faithful servant, the author.